This is The Playbook. My dad left me when I was five. My mom was a single mom, six kids, five boys and a girl. She taught the second grade. And then she would pack our dinners in a paper bag in a Country Squire station wagon, drive us around Akron, Ohio, filling up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards just so we could eat. My dad left, and I thought he was my hero. So one of the most difficult things that I have to deal with is me remembering, telling my mom, why can't you be more like dad? But meanwhile, my dad was a deadbeat 1970s dad, married to a girl closer to my age than his, spending all his money outside of his children. And meanwhile, my mom was working two jobs, giving her entire life, everything to her six children to empower them for their future. So at 30 years old, my dad came back into my life and he gave me a birthday present. And what was significant about the birthday present that he gave me as an inflection point was that my dad, when I was 10, forgot my birthday. Now that's not the worst thing in the world, but what was the worst thing in the world was my hero forgot my birthday. And when I asked him, how could you forget my birthday? He said to me, I didn't forget your birthday. I don't believe in birthdays. Now, at 10 years old, I realized he was celebrating his birthday, my stepmom's birthday, my sibling's birthday, his friend's birthday. In other words, I realized at 10 years old that my dad was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, an overseller, a back-end seller. And I hated him. When I was 30 years old, he sent me a birthday present, a big box, and I opened it up, and it was this beautiful blazer. Unfortunately, people don't wear blazers on stage anymore, but for many years, I would wear this blazer on stage. And when I opened it up, I started to cry. My wife, who was my dream girl since the fourth grade, she's like, what's the matter? I said, oh my gosh, my dad gets it. My dad finally, he wants to have a relationship with me. He understands me and I put it on and it fits perfectly and I'm crying even harder thinking that he must have taken the time to find out my odd body shape and fit me perfectly. So I open it up to see what brand it was, if it said especially made for my son's 30th birthday and he had torn out all the pockets, all the lining. My joy went immediately to hate. I called my dad immediately, so frustrated and so angry, and I said, Dad, why did you send me that gift? He said, because it's your birthday. I said, no, why would you send me a jacket that I can't wear? He said, because it's not for wearing. I want you to hang it in your closet, son. I said, what do you mean? He said, because you're just like me. And in my head, I thought, just like you? You're a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, an overseller, a back-end seller. I'm nothing like you. I hate you. I go, why, why would you want me to hang a jacket in my closet? He said, I want you to remember, you're just like me, that money doesn't buy love or happiness. At 30 years old, I ran Samsung's phone division. I was a multimillionaire, and money was my identity. I used to tell my mom, I don't believe in God. She said, what? I said, I don't believe in God. I've made everything happen in my own life. I don't believe in God. I don't need God. She said to me, oh, son, you believe in God. You believe in the wrong God. You're serving the wrong God. And that jacket to me was a remembrance of that. But at the time, at 30 years old, a multimillionaire married to my dream girl, I wasn't ready to hear that. When my dad told me I was just like him, that money doesn't buy love or happiness, that I should hang it in my closet, be buried in that jacket to remind me that money does not buy love or happiness. You can't take anything with you when you're gone. 
So instead, I told my dad I hated him, that he was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, an overseller, and a back-end seller, and I hung up on him. Number one inflection point, number one meaning that I gave it in a trajectory of what I thought I want, which was to be rich, really rich, and really happy. Number two inflection point, six years later, I was running the most notable sports agency in the world, Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. They had made the movie Jerry Maguire about our firm. So now, not only was I a multimillionaire, but I had access to things that billionaires couldn't even afford. Sidelines at Super Bowl, back cabins at the Masters, the award shows like the Academy Awards, the Grammys, etc. And my best friend, Rob who, by the way, I've known since the fourth grade, just like my wife, when I moved from Akron, Ohio to San Diego. My best friend, Rob, who asked my wife for me because I was chicken at sixth grade camp to go steady with me, and she embarrassed me and said, no, tell him to ask me himself. And then he yelled in front of everyone, dude, she said no. So I threw an egg at her and then threw rocks at her, asked her why her friends were prettier than her. Just proving, once again, my persistence because she ended up marrying me years and years later after hating me for 20 years. So Rob, uh, I invited Rob, a big golf fanatic, I invited him to the Masters. He's my best friend since the fourth grade. Somebody that knew everything about me and where I came from and what I wanted to become. So I said, Rob, man, I want to thank you for being such a great friend. Come to the Masters with me. We'll fly private. Joe Montana, Wayne Gretzky, Warren Moon. Curtis Strange backstage at the cabins. I have the NetJet party. This is going to be incredible. And without blinking, my best friend tells me, no, I'm not going. So what would you say? Dave, I'm not going. I said, why won't you go? He said, because I don't like what you're doing, and I don't like who you hang out with. Now, I'm 36 years old. I have three daughters under the age of 10. I'm a multimillionaire with access that only billionaires get, or if they can even get it. And I wasn't ready to hear that inflection point, that defining moment. So what did I do? I told Rob, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not doing any of those things. I'm not like those guys. And he looked at me and he said, David, you can lie to yourself all you want. I mean, you could tell me and lie to me all you want, but stop lying to yourself. You're going to end up dead. So... I told Rob I hated him. He wasn't a good friend. How dare you talk to the Almighty that way, the guy who is in control of everything. And I walked away in tears. Number two inflection point and the meaning that I gave it in the trajectory that I thought I wanted, which was to be rich. The only thing I wasn't when I was little, I just wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. That's all I wanted to do. I thought if I could buy my mom a house and a car that I would always be happy because I was happy for everything else except for the financial stresses of the world. When the car broke down or we couldn't go to summer camp or had to use food stamps or some other embarrassing thing that separated me as inferior or superior to others because of my financial status, my financial identity. That's the meaning I gave what Rob was trying to teach me. That's the meaning I gave what my dad was trying to teach me at 30 and 36. Two weeks later, my life would change forever. An inflection point. I told my wife I wanted to go to the Grammy Awards with a rapper named Little John, who I did a lot of work with. And uh, 
She told me, yeah. <laughs> she told me that I shouldn't go. She told me that I was not paying attention to the family. I was partying way too much, and I wasn't paying attention to my activities I got paid for, and she thought that I better stay home. So what I did was live up to the meaning of the inflection points and defined moments of my past, and I lied to her. And I went to the Grammy Awards, told her I had a business meeting, partied my butt off till 5.30 in the morning, came home, and she was waiting for me to tell me that she was leaving me, that she wasn't happy. She told me, I'm leaving you, I'm not happy, you better take stock in who you were and what you want to become because you're going to end up dead and I don't want to be around to see it. The meaning I gave that at that moment was I hated her. I told her, how dare you talk to me? Look around you, I remember saying. Look around you. Who do you think made all this happen? How dare you tell me you're not happy? I've given you every single thing you've ever dreamed of and more. How dare you talk to me that way? And I went into my room and I went to sleep and I woke up full of hate, full of interference between me and a faith that I did not have, between me and a source I didn't believe in, between me and everything else, all I had was interference, hate. I hated my dad, I hated my mom, I hated my best friend, I hated my wife. And I'm sitting there thinking, how am I gonna steal her happiness? I know how. I'm gonna steal what makes me happy. I'm gonna steal her money. I'm gonna take my money and I'm gonna go ahead and get divorced I don't need this shit. I'm David Meltzer. I run the most notable sports agency in the world. I have everything I ever dreamed of, and I made it happen. And I was sitting there full of hate, and then another inflection point happened. When you talk about coincidences, you think about a mathematical equation of luck, of circumstance. What I was paying attention to, focusing in on, and what I was giving intention to what I was doing, saying, thinking, believing, and feeling in a trajectory of what I think I want to be rich, to be so rich that I never have any of those feelings that I had from being poor. As I sat there full of hate on my bed, interfering with my source, I looked over in my closet and there was that jacket. And all of a sudden the jacket took a different meaning. Not one of hate, of insult, of separation and offense of ego-based consciousness, of not enough. I looked at that jacket and realized at that moment, I don't hate my dad. I don't hate my mom. I don't hate my best friends. I don't hate my wife. I hated myself. I was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, an overseller, a back-end seller in a trajectory of what I thought I wanted that was going to end up in misery, in interference. I looked at that jacket and said, I hate myself, and I took stock in who I was that day. 16 years ago, 2006, two years before I lost everything. I went bankrupt in 2008. I lost over $100 million, mostly in real estate. All created by the causes and the resistance to an outcome that I was most afraid of. Because why? My identity, my source was money. My source was money. And as painful as that defining moment of losing everything in my life, and at that time, imagine the pain of not only having to go tell your mom that you went bankrupt, 
the mom that has given you everything, or health, or wealth, or worthiness, everything, and your siblings, everything, that you had lost everything, but I also had lost the one reason I wanted to be rich. I lost her house because I forgot to take my name off of the title when I bought it. So I had to go tell my mom that I was bankrupt and she had to move. 